0: Recording this, thinking of the stuff I wanted to share on YouTube, uh, of my uh, kind of my childhood, how it started out. I I know that uh, I know that I was selling lemonade uh, at the probably the early age of ten or nine or something. My we lived in between a convenience store and a uh, car wash, a little bitty house. I'd like to get that video showing where where I started selling lemonade and the, there was a girl next door her father owned the convenience store her name was Dina Williams and, and me and her played a lot together when she was at the store and uh, you know of course made mud pies and uh, sold uh salt lemonade together and this was uh, had to be at the age of nine or ten the best I can remember I know it was before my father passed away. My father passed away when I was like 12. And we were living in that home. And he passed away in that home. So I'd like to get that video. Of kind of uh, starting. I guess. My mindset. That's where my mindset came from. And a. The. Before. Before my father passed away. We uh. You know, run the. Worked at the car wash there. He had uh, worked in a factory and had an accident in a factory, so he was able to manage the car wash next door. The people that owned the property where the the store was and the and the uh, the convenience store and the house owned all the property together. I'm thinking his name was his dad's name was Joe, and he was like little Joe a so big guy. Kind of remember, kind of funny how when you start talking about something, your memory brings all that back. But the the short version is uh, when he would bring those quarters home, you know, we'd, we'd help him roll all the quarters from the car wash, you know, and, and I'm sure that had something to do with my mindset, rolling those quarters and, and being involved in money and banking and all that when I was 12. I'm sure it had some effect on my mindset and then selling lemonade was easy, you know, between the uh between the car wash and the uh convenience store on a busy highway and uh you know I think my dad would would sell produce there you know so it was uh, it was easy to uh to find things to make money at and this was uh you know through the summer or on the weekends when I would spend time with them. My grandmother raised me and uh she was the uh the type of person that was constantly uh constantly working and lived through the depression, so uh, she knew the value of having a garden and chopping wood and she always bragged at me never never did put me down or delittle me or any of that was never an option. She was always bragging on me no matter no matter how ugly the mud pies were, she was telling me how awesome they were. So I'm sure that affects my mindset. And at some point after my father passed away, uh, I was able to draw a Social Security check in that $800 range, if I'm remembering, five, $800. I uh, may be wrong on the amounts, but I, my... Uh, of course my mom you know uh, had access to that money but i was pretty determined that i it was up for me to decide where it was spending and making sure that my grandmother didn't have to want for anything since that's who was raising me and uh for some reason my dad had done before he passed away just almost just a few days before he passed away he had got this trailer that they were gonna put on my grandparents property. He had bought this trailer and, and had it pulled there to kind of do some work on it or kind of get it ready for the to bring it there. And when they when he bought it, oh he had to pull it there, I guess, while they were getting the land ready at my grandparents' house. And for some reason he you know, just a few days before he died, had a stroke, the uh, he bought that trailer and 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 purchased the life insurance policy that came along with it. So so remarkably, you know, two days after he had purchased the ten thousand dollar life insurance policy and purchased the trailer, both of those were completely paid for. You know, and my mom ended up getting a new car and and uh, helping my grandmother with a freezer, and uh, helping my grandmother with any, you know, anything she wanted, which was awesome. And then, uh, but the uh, the Social Security check played a big part in my life because I was able to uh, to have that money to invest, and and uh, I discovered grids. I definitely. Sold grits when I was a kid in the in the Burnsville area, and then when I was in school, I was the top salesman in school when they were selling candy or magazines or whatever. I didn't afraid, wasn't afraid to go in all the banks. You know, luckily I lived close to town, and I could hit all the banks and sell the cookies or the candy or I remember some kind of little hard candy coming in a uh, coming in these little glass jars that that sealed sealed on the glass jars, and then, you know, of course, all the, the candy bars, you know, and again, it was easy for me to be top salesman, selling those, selling those candy bars since I was close to downtown, and, uh, you know, and selling the grits, you know, it, i would get the grits and then see all these ads and the grits of other ways of making money or uh, you know reading the ads in the grits newspaper seeing all those things that you could download to make money and uh when somewhere i discovered a company called smc and that was uh a company i think out of california smc and it was like a a big book, almost like a Sears catalog with all these made in China items that you could purchase. And they had all these uh, different price lists. They have a price list for someone that was, uh, if they were buying a, you know, if they were buying wholesale, there was a yellow price list and the retail price was in the the book. And then they had like three different price lists. The price that you paid or the wholesale price or someone that was one of your distributors. It was, it was really set up pretty remarkably. And I've become a member of that, you know, and started ordering stuff from it and, and selling stuff at the flea market. You know, and I'd, I'd like to get that video too, the, the video of the flea market in Jamestown, uh, in Morgan, North Carolina, the Jamestown Flea Market. And then there was the flea market in my little town, Burnsville, which wasn't real big and uh, started going to the flea market selling these items and my mom my mom would take me since i wasn't but you know probably 13 or 14 my mom would take me and she was a kind of a shy person and didn't didn't enjoy you know didn't uh didn't enjoy people as much as me but when i'd have she'd sit in the car or sit out there with me and uh i didn't uh I'd have to run to the bathroom some, or I'd have to go get something to eat, or maybe I'd go seeing what other deals I could find and have to leave her with it. Well, before you know it, she, you know, it become a part of her life that that she enjoyed. Uh, you know, so it uh, it made it fun. And then uh, at at some point, you know, when when you're out and about like that, and you're 14, and other other people selling stuff, or other people at the flea market, you know, are just amazed by your enthusiasm, or amazed by your willing to do, or your, exmo- your excitement about something. So they're they're there to support you. So there was this guy at the time, you know, selling Panama Jack t-shirts. So he, you know, he, uh, he hooked me up and gave me a huge supply of Panama Jack t-shirts and was able to let me sell, let me start selling those as well. Well, before you know it, I was able to, to expand and, and buy a little van. You know, I, I owned a little van when I was, you know, before I ever turned sixteen, before I was able to even get my driver's license, I was able to own a van, a little, a little uh, hippie van with the, the bubble lights in it, and uh, and uh, all that. Before I was sixteen, I, I definitely owned a van, and was one of my friends that was a lot older. He had his driver's license. His name was Howard Blevins. It gets emotional when you start remembering remembering life. Uh, I got him to, uh, you know, to go to one flea market and sell Panama Jack t-shirts and whatever, uh, whatever was top at the moment. Forever and ever Amen was a song and had some little birds and Randy Travis was a big hit at the time. And uh, I'll probably Google some of those T-shirts to see to share them, share them on the video. Uh, but he would he would go to one flea market. I'd count all his T-shirts. He'd you know take ten dozen of this or ten dozen of that or different different sizes and stuff. And he would take my van you know to the next flea market we would set up me at one flea market and he would go on to the next flea market and sell and then we'd we would uh, count all his stuff when he came back and you know justify what was missing to to justify up with the sales you know and then uh, one of the one of the people next to me was also selling some type of clothes he hemmed a factory and he would bring overage Clothes there, women's clothes. He would bring extras there to uh, to sell, and uh, you know he he hooked me up with a huge, huge amount of clothes, and there there was this lady uh, Nana's Outlet. There was a lady on Nana's Outlet uh, in Burnsville, and she she was a. Uh, had a little outlet store, and she would buy Panama Jack shirts from me, and, and at some point I remember selling Oakley jackets and, uh, you know, Oakley t-shirts. You know, I don't know how, how real any of them were, but it, everybody knew they wasn't real. It was just a, uh, you know, a whole lot cheaper cheaper version. But that, you uh, know, it was kind of, I guess I was definitely my environment created who i am today by by i'm sure just starting to sell lemonade or or counting those quarters it it was fun counting when we put the quarters in i remember having like a little bottle of fingernail polish and i would put little dots on a lot of the quarters and let them dry just to see if they ever came back you know and even today every now and again i know it's not the same quarters i'm sure they've way worn off but even today, when I see a little red dot or anything red on a quarter, I, it brings back those uh, brings back those memories, you know. And that's a that's surely the early version of what what created me. And you know, in Burnsville, North Carolina, I had a I had several yards that I would mow and and push my little lawnmower, you know, and the weed eater, you know, a good ways or or use someone else's lawnmower. So I. I definitely want to get that video I want to have the video of, uh, of where I was raised and I want to have the video of uh, some of the yards that I mowed or the uh, a quick view of the neighborhoods that I sold grits in you know which would be which would be interesting to have those videos of where I sold grits in you know and I, uh, I definitely kept selling at the flea market for a long time And uh, my mom was able to get her a job at one of the concession stands, the hot dog, where they sold hot dogs and meat skins. And it became a big part of her life to be able to see the people she went to school with and to see people from work and all that when she would work her on the weekends. And my sister run the whole concession uh, area for the Fullin Waters when they were in control of the flea market there, the Fullin Waters. And what else do they, uh, you know, at, at some point, at some point, I ended up, you know, getting a, getting a job at, at Arby's, you know, and becoming, you know, falling into that trap of, you know, definitely my first job that I ever had as a job was a dishwasher in Spruce Pine. It would be cool to get, to get that video. And then my second job was at Hardee's there in Burnsville. It would be cool to get that video, but, but always still had a side gig. I, I remember even selling, uh, selling stuff at school. I would take that book to school and people would buy jewelry out of it. I remember a lady, Pam, I'll have to, Pam, she's one of my Facebook friends. She was in a car accident and was in a wheelchair. I remember her buying some jewelry from me. She was so, uh, so supportive. And I remember a a story about me selling pins. I was selling pins. I could order these pins that if you turn upside down, uh, the people's clothes come off. You you could like little nude pins, and they they were legal pins when they were turned one way, but they were kind of illegal pins, naked, naked X-rated pins when you turn them the other way. And I remember one time a uh, a really nelly history teacher. It'd be nice for me to program his name. at high school caught me selling those pens and i had them in like a little a little uh, sandwich bag so he thought i was selling marijuana in those little bags and he he approached us with all this attitude because there was several people around and you know we were drawing too much attention with the little naked pens that i was selling and uh he thought he had really caught us selling marijuana i guess is what he caught, and he was uh all excited about catches then he seen they were just pins but he didn't research how what kind of pins they were he was just too embarrassed that he had made the assumption we were selling marijuana and then he really didn't catch me selling the naked the x-rated (laughs) pins which was funny but uh you know selling pins in school and then you know definitely definitely when i when i got 16 and got the opportunity to quit high school you know i You know, it just uh, it wasn't something I was enjoying anyway, and I wasn't real good at high school, and my grades wasn't the greatest, and you know, I I definitely that's wasn't where my heart was at. So I and I I thought about it. I didn't just do it randomly. I thought about the math. You know, if I spent several more years in high school and then went to college, the math of that, you know, and went in debt and the cost, and or if I just started working now, you know, and was able to make five hundred dollars a week. You know, I, I did do the math and seen seen it made no sense for me to keep going to high school. It was just crazy for me to keep going to high school. So I I started started working on a regular basis and uh, ended up getting a, a job at Arby's. You know, and before you know it, they give you a different color shirt and call you assistant manager or crew leader or whatever it takes and add another ten cent an hour to your pay and make you uh you know I. The word "brainwash" comes to mind really quickly, into thinking uh, you're moving up as you go. But uh, but gratefully, you know, I was able. I'm grateful for those experiences, and definitely grateful to to got to uh, see what not to do in life. And uh, went to the flea market and discovered Garfield's. When Garfield was a big thing, I discovered Garfield's. Puzzling, puzzling why this is emotional. Maybe I'm just tired, but puzzling why it's emotional. I guess just big events in my life that I know, I know changed who I am. And of course, uh, maybe emotional from not, you know, I'm on a trip right now. I hadn't hadn't had a lot of sleep. But uh, these Garfields. I was able to get these Garfields for like $4 and a quarter. You know, when I bought several cases of them at this uh, this flea market in Lexington, North Carolina. They had a Lexington flea market on Tuesdays. A crazy thing on Tuesdays. They had a flea market on Tuesdays in Lexington, North Carolina. And I would go down there and uh, and shop. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I sold a few ties, but not a whole lot. I would just go down there mainly to shop and I'd get off from, from Arby's to... You know, it was easy to get off on Arby's. My days off from Arby's were always Monday and Tuesday, you know, and I, I worked any other time. And at some point I, I worked in a furniture factory called Impact Furniture, you know, which is uh, in Hickory. So I was doing the two jobs and and then still had a hustle, you know, of selling, selling things. But back to these Garfields. I discovered these Garfields and, uh, it was a uh, four dollars and a quarter, and I had this little uh, this little Toyota pickup truck, which was a king cab, and had the windows in the back and the windows in the front. And I discovered that if I could, I put maybe ten or fifteen of those Garfields in the window, stuck them in the window. You know, and you could go to Spencer's and buy the originals for nineteen ninety five. But I had these Garfields, and uh, I stuck them all in the window. And I would would go through all the drive-thrus, the McDonald's, the Hardee's, the Burger King, the Wendy's, and I would order just a small drink, just a small Coke. And the investment of that was, uh, you know, a dollar or something, you know, for a small drink and I would pull up to drive-through and all the people in there would be ooh and and awe and oh, you got all these Garfields, you know, what's going on? You know, those are so cool. You know, and they would exaggerate the price. Oh, I seen them at the mall, they're 30 something dollars, you know, how much are you selling yours for? You know, and I would I would sell them, you know, for $15. You know, these they're just $15, you know, and then they would, you know, it'd be easy for me to sell three or four you know I don't remember the max but just you know three or four at $15 so there's $60 you know worth of Garfields that I sold at every drive-through you know with just a dollar and something investment for getting a drink and nowhere did I ask them you know they they always approached me with you know about wanting to buy them you know and so wherever I went people were chasing me down to to wanting to buy them. And it wasn't—it wasn't, but a few days, you know. I, and I went, I went from business to business selling T-shirts back when that Randy Travis, forever and ever, amen. I had all these T-shirts, so I would, I would go to these businesses. I remember uh, a business up in Little Switzerland. You know, I I rode the parkway and went to different gift shops and different convenience stores, and they uh, would purchase several dozen T-shirts from me. You know, and of course I was able to profit from that. But just the profit from the Garfields, it and it it wasn't many days of me experiencing, you know, I almost want to say one. One day of me experiencing the ability to make that kind of money, an astronomical amount of money, and one day turning a four dollar and a quarter item into a fifteen dollar, you know, more than tripling my cost. You know, uh, it wasn't many days that i decided i was not going to be working at arby's and uh, i quit my quit my gig at arby's and and uh, went a long time you know uh, making making money in that direction and being a little peddler so to speak and you know probably i can't imagine what my age was then but at, at some time working at arby's i had this uh this older man came in, which inspired me. Uh, he wanted me to uh, to buy a house. He, you know, he was I guess he was able to see that I was a manager of Arby's and probably had a steady income and was young and had perfect credit. So he seen me as an opportunity to uh, to purchase a house. And uh, he researched me a little bit and then showed me this house that was down the street and he was able to get me into this house with no down, no money down and all that, and I remember going, he had a little bitty piece of crap car, you know, a little bitty Chevette, a little bitty Chevette car that was wore out, and he always wore wore out clothes, and you know, you would not never assume that he had two pennies to rub together, but he showed me this house, and it was really cool, and almost sounded too good to be true in Valdez, North Carolina, and, uh, I definitely want to get a video of that house too. To get a video of that house that that I bought, and and uh, when he uh, when we went to the bank, you know he he owned uh, he owned several properties. He he owned he created these uh, trailer park developments, trailer developments where you own your own land and your trailer, and he'd sell it off. But uh, he owned Mundy acres. You could they're probably still in in Burke County. He owned Monday acres, Tuesday acres, Wednesday acres, Thursday acres, Friday acres, Saturday acres. That's how he divided up his properties is by, by that simple, just keeping it simple. But we went to the bank and, you know, when you go to the bank, you you know, they it's like they want to, uh, want to find a way not to give you a loan, you know, or at least back then it was, I guess they wasn't on commission like they, you know, when the economy got crazy, when they were giving everybody loans to be on commission but he 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 went in there and uh, the bank and you know we sat down and he had this book big book bag with him with everything in it that that we need and he had already done everything that needed to be done in advance before we ever walked into a bank we walked into the bank and this said well you're going to need a a credit we're going to need to do a credit application and and uh he's talking and he just pulled out his little bag. You're talking about one like this and then we're going to have to get an appraisal on the property. You're talking about one like this. He'd reached out in his little bag and pull out the paper and uh, need to get an estimate on this or you know have to have the uh inspector have to get a home inspector done and pulled out one like this. What wasn't it wasn't long. It wasn't long, you know, with the banker coming up with all these reasons and all this stuff we were going to have to do before You know, it seemed like they were almost uh, doing whatever it could not to fill out the paperwork for the application. And uh, it wasn't long he figured out he was going to have to fill out the application and that we already had our ducks in a row, you know. And and yes, I was able to get the property. He had a, uh, you know, one of those properties, he owned some land that he gave me you know, gave me one of these lots that was worth several thousand dollars. He gave me one of those lots so that I could use it as a down payment to get the property, you know, so it was, uh, he gave me a lot so that I could give it back to him, you know, which I'm sure was, was, uh, cheating the bank or convincing the bank of one thing and doing something else, you know, but, uh, I was able to, uh, to get the property in Valdez, and it was a cute little house with a garage, and and uh, it was definitely some good living, and, and grateful I got to experience that for sure. And uh, there's a, you know, while uh, while living there, I'm wondering what I'm missing. Maybe, maybe I'm not missing anything in that in that project. While living there one of my other friends birdie buddy buddy mccurry buddy mccurry had decided to go to truck driving school and was telling me how truck driving school was uh, was so cool and they were providing a student loan to be a truck driver you know so uh, i thought that would be cool or wanted to experience that or so i went and applied and was able to be you know get my truck driver was able to go to school to be a truck driver at Alliance, Alliance Truck Driving School in Fletcher you know you apply for the loan and they give you all this student money for hotel rooms and food and all this and and he was going to get you know three or four thousand dollars and I was going to get three or four thousand dollars and uh, you know we took that money you know during the during the time of us going to school, we we started, b- beforehand, we started looking for a place to rent so that we could have a, rent a house and find other students to rent from us. You know, so luckily in our search, I was able to find a house right across the street from the school that that was for rent. And we were, I guess it was for sale you know between the both of us and what money i had saved it was easy for us to come up with a big down payment and do a rent to own thing you know for a for a short time and uh wasn't long i was able to pull in some buildings and and able to have 30, 30 students staying there a night with bunk beds that i got from uh, Lindsay's furniture in valdez he was able to uh I was able to get those on credit, several bunk beds and, and the furniture for it. And one of the ladies that I had worked with at Arby's, she was there as kind of a house mom. And it's sad that I can't pull her pull her name immediately. Uh, but she was able to, uh, to be like a house mom for the house. And people were paying, you know, 25, $30 a night and we were providing three meals for them a day and they were all going to the truck driving school, you know, which turned out to be unbelievably, unbelievably uh, profitable. Just unbelievably profitable. You know, and all this time, I'm still selling T-shirts and still willing and dealing at the flea market and, you know, going to Lexington and buying up a bunch of stuff that truckers love and ended up, you know, selling them that. And then when they would when they would stay at the at the house you know we'd have to let them stay there a week or two while they were going to school you know without without any money you know with a promise to pay till they got their checks but when they would get their checks we would cash their checks for them and settle up on their rent and then they would pay you know two or three you know for the rest of the things in advance and the school had this deal that they if they owed any Everybody locally they wouldn't give them their diploma but it I mean it was just a farce you know they told him you're not getting your diploma till you settle up your bills you're not leaving you're owing any money but it you know and it was just a farce they, they couldn't legally do that but they would play it down to the wire you know if you don't settle up with Bruce tomorrow you're not getting your diploma you know we're gonna hand you a diploma and it's gonna look like it's a diploma we're not gonna embarrass you in front of your family but you're not gonna get your diploma for the truck driving school until, until you pay your bills. But again, it was just a farce to the very last second, whatever it took to, to get people to settle up on their bill before they left. Well, they, uh, at some point, you know, everything, all things good must come to an end and the government stopped funding those student loans. You know, so the, uh, the school was unable to keep striving so good. You know, so of course, I had turned this normal little house into a into a boarding house with ten showers on the back, uh, five five showers on the back porch, and a and another bathroom. And I had utility buildings, you know, two or three utility buildings. One for like a place for them to watch TV and chat, and and uh, had bedrooms in them, and had bunk beds in all of them. I definitely want to get that video that would that would be a cool video to have and uh you know at some point that was uh when when they stopped doing that and I'm sure I went through some several months of depression when when the government just jerked that contract out I was unprepared and and I think I had to go bankrupt during that time because I had invested in that I had to lose that house and and uh uh, went through that, I, you know. I, I'm sure there was lots of ways I could have recovered quicker, but it was, uh, it was unexpected and last minute, so I, I did not recover and went through some depression. And uh, before you know it, I got a job at Swans, Swans Ice Cream and Finer Foods. I got this job, and uh, it was an, it was a great gig swan's ice cream and finer foods marvin swan is my hero and for some reason he passed away on the same day that my not the same exact day but on mother's day my father passed away on mother's day and marvin swan also passed away on mother's day and i learned so much from working at swans you know how many homes they are you you don't realize how many homes they are in this world when you just go back and forth to work you know you kind of you kind of know but you don't realize until you start getting on the back streets you know how many homes they are and if you only made three dollars per home you know and you was able to go to people's door and just collect that three dollars you know how quick that money adds up you know from going door to door but i was i was able to work at swans for for three years and and learn learn about swans and learn how valuable it was to to have that and it and at some point, you know, we, we lost our house in Valdez, so my mom had had to move into a little trailer park, you know, and I was staying with her, you know, and and again, she she probably spoilt me for, for two or three months, you know, uh, bringing me home food and cigarettes, and, and I probably wasn't doing anything but watching Golden Girls, you know, all day long, and not being any productive with my time. When she was supposed to get home from work, I'd I might get up and try to wash some dishes or start the attempt, you know, out of shame of being so lazy or being so unproductive. But, uh, but at some point, working with swans was awesome. And uh, I was able to learn a lot and, and make good money working with swans, ice cream, and finer foods. And um, I started a little garbage route hauling off trash in the trailer park just Had a little pickup truck so I would haul off trash for the neighbors, and it was like a you know, $20 a week is what I was charging, which seems astronomical or $10 a week, but, but I, I wouldn't make them set it at the road, you know, I would get it off their porch or, or get it out of the backyard or get it out of their shed. I, I didn't want them to change their system because you know, and but the reality was, I didn't know what day I was going to be off, I promised to do it twice a week. So it didn't build up. And I would take it to the recycle center close by, you know, so I didn't have to go all the way to the landfill. I'd just take it to the recycle center and had the little Toyota pickup truck that's, you know, which was uh, something my, my sister's husband, Walt Ferguson. Walt Ferguson is a humongous, awesome guy, a big giver, and, uh, you know, uh, was really good to me by, by buying this Toyota truck for me. He bought it and let me make payments to him you know until i got it paid for and i was grateful for that and uh, i put this little uh cover over the back of it like indoor outdoor carpet where i had this cover you know that i could roll over it where it wouldn't the trash wouldn't blow out well it wasn't you know i, I build up several customers just in the trailer park and, and then on my way to the landfill you know why not build up more customers so I made these little little pamphlets for, uh, for customers. And I think, uh, somewhere my stories got a little off track cause I was working at Arby's at at some point during that time too. But for, for swans working at swans and doing the garbage and at 28 years old, you know, now I'm at 28. I remember that number cause I got chicken pox at 28 years old. I got chicken pox and, uh, I was uh, hauling off the trash and when I got chicken pox working at swans of course they didn't want me to be around going door-to-door door or going around families or any of that with chicken pox so for two weeks I got paid leave well during that two weeks of working with swans on paid leave when I had chicken pox you know it surely didn't hurt me to pick up trash with chicken pox so I went door-to-door and added on a ton of customers during the time i had chicken pox i added on a ton of garbage customers and uh ended up getting the uh turning my route into something astronomical you know and again the income from that was astronomical you know and uh somewhere during that time was making so much money that uh got addicted to those little machines where you gamble you know so it was didn't end up saving any money but definitely had a good life and was able to make a ton of money during that time and then christmas the, when you're hauling off trash for people and creating such an awesome service and making so many people happy the tip money for christmas was unbelievable the amount of tips that we got and then i wouldn't never let people pay me in advance everybody always owed me money. You know, I didn't want to feel like if something happened and uh, I couldn't show up, I didn't want to feel like I had dropped the ball or ended up owing them, have to give them money back that I didn't have. So I would never let nobody pay me in advance. They always, everybody always owed me for a week or always owed me for a month, you know, with with the garbage. And when I... When I uh, had the garbage route, I run this ad that uh, in the little newspaper that said, "Truck and two guys for hire. No job too small. We do it all." And I put it in the cleaning section. It was a uh, it was putting it in the cleaning section of the uh, of the newspaper. You know, looking for that pile of trash in somebody's backyard that the husband had been promising to haul off forever. And he had not, you know, he had not hauled it off. And so I was looking for that, you know, the wife to call and get us to haul that off. Well, since almost everything, that, that doesn't play out. So, you know, the, uh, when, when they started calling, it was like, I need a washer and dryer moved. Or I have a small apartment. You know, so now from the garbage business, I have went into the moving business. And I would rent a rider truck from this lady named Carolyn. I think her name was Carolyn. Carol, Carolyn. It'd be nice for me to get that video too, you know, of the U Haul place. But I uh, created a relationship with her and would help her transfer trucks and would go get trucks. And she got paid to move them from here to here and she'd give me some of that money. And, and then she would always give us the best deal she could on rental trucks. So I would rent U Haul trucks to do the moving. You know, and and so that's how I become a mover. Is from from that, and then at some point, you know, believe it or not, hauling off trash, you have to have a permit to haul off trash. It's part of the Utilities Commission, and it's almost you know like like moving household furniture. Supposed to be a member of the Utilities Commission, and they really don't want nobody. They want to bid on it and control who hauls off trash. And so, uh, I called, you know, they couldn't never, I wasn't having, the customers wouldn't leave their stuff out at the road, so they really didn't know who was my customers and who wasn't. But at some point, GDS started calling me, wanting me to call them back. So they, I guess they obviously had figured out that I was cutting into their profit with that amount. So I, uh, you know, I had this caller ID on my phone and a, and a answering machine. So when people would call, I would be able to come back and, and return my calls, you know, be, before the pager or, you know, I had a page or two. But I went from, you know, holding off trash to becoming a mover and started placing ads about moving in the in the in the paper, you know, and, and started moving furniture for a living is how that how that ended up. You know, and so that's that's what I'm doing now. I still doing household moving. You know it's profitable, and I've I figured out a way to keep people happy, and uh, it definitely helps. It definitely pays the bills, and and I'm able to still sell things on Craigslist and and uh, sell things on uh, on Facebook. You know to have the Facebook page, and then you know at uh, at some point, I'm not sure what I'm missing out on, but you know at at some point i was able to uh, to buy another house in hendersonville you know we uh i'm trying to figure out the timeline what i'm forgetting uh, uh, before that before i met Cleet and before i uh before i got the house in hendersonville at at some point the uh I was able to, I I moved to Asheville and was uh, determined to survive and have the moving company in Asheville. So at some point I rented a a storage facility on Sweeten Creek Road. The address was uh, uh, one one twenty three, one twenty five, something, one twenty three Sweeten Creek Road. The storage facility there and I was able to rent a storage something for like $40 a month it was one of the smallest ones they had was able to rent that I I had a little van that uh that I could haul things in and so you know I was I lived there through a winter one through one winter I don't know what winter it was you know it's still still addicted to some gambling so I was going to Cherokee and spending money in Cherokee and this is again before I met Cleet And uh, the storage facility, $40 a month for storage, and I always joke that I was able to have storage and a gated community with garbage and power included. I had a little TV VCR that I would uh, hook up and a little heater, one of those little heaters that you'd normally put under your desk was enough to, to keep the chill off, you know, and able to hook both of those up. You know, and have free power at the storage facility, you know, and go to net, go to uh, blockbusters and rent a couple movies, you know, to crash, and then we'd come back and crash and, and enjoy, enjoy a movie with, you know, the free power and free heat and, and free garbage, and in a gated community, I lived in a gated community with free power, free heat, and free garbage for forty dollars a month. That's that's how you get ahead, you know. And, and the uh, being without, and then being there you know you have to get up early because if you don't get up early and get out then the people managing the place are gonna see that you're living there and that's not good you know they're not gonna let you keep doing that but we were always friendly with the manager and always speak to him buy him something to eat or bring him something by every now to him and his wife Bob and Kim were the ones managing it Bob was managing it and Kim was his girlfriend and they were they were managing it there and we would always look out for him and be friendly and keep our rent paid up and we would always ask you know if you need anything throw to the dumpster he he wasn't extremely healthy he couldn't lift a whole lot of stuff and put in the dumpster so we would always be accommodating if you ever need something throw the dumpster we'll be glad to help you you know if you don't be afraid to holler at us if you need this or need that and uh when when that would happen you know we'd we'd look out for him you know, so eventually eventually we were able to tell him we were staying there. Eventually he was able to see what we were doing, but we wasn't real obvious and the Morizanis the Morizanis, Elizabeth Morizani and her dad that owned the property, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't have been too fond of it if they knew. I'm sure they knew some people do that, but but they didn't know that they were getting by with it or we were getting by with it. And that's in the process when the Morizanis were building apartments for all the storage units because they wanted on site security someone to live there all the time so they built this awesome apartment there on the property so that bob and kim could stay there so that left a trailer that bob and kim owned in fairview that left a trailer that they owned that they wanted to sell to us and while they knew they were going to get an apartment because they were building their apartment while he was working there so it was like a month or two of them building the apartment that he knew he was going to be getting rid of the trailer so he sold us the trailer, sold the trailer to me for fifteen hundred dollars. So I was able to five, pay five hundred here and two hundred here and two hundred here and 200. but anyway I got the trailer paid for before he ever moved out. The trailer was paid for and he was living in my trailer before they ever got the apartment ready for him at storage. And so he'd seen how how good I was at paying my bills or how, how res how responsible I was. So he left the power in his name, and he left the, uh, you know, the cable in his name, and he left the lot rent in his name, and all I had to do was pay the lot rent and all that. But, and then you know, somewhere, somewhere after that or during that time frame, I met Cleat, and uh, that definitely changed it up an awful lot. You know, a came up and, and moved in with me at the uh, at the trailer and was able to do lots and lots of work on it and and my sister she got rid of her uh she had this huge deck on her the back of her trailer and she got rid of this huge deck and uh, we brought it up in sections we were able to bring three sections up on the back of a trailer and we put it connected to our trailer and we had the the prettiest yard and was able to travel the country and We got to work for Thomas Moser up in Maine and, uh, you know, and some, I I guess going back just a little bit, when I was at the storage facility, you couldn't stay there at the storage facility and lay around, you know. So often if you have a home and you've got TV and cable, it's easy for you just to lay around for the day on a rainy day or on a cold day or a day you're feeling bad. Well, that's not an option when you're living at a storage facility and you're, you're, you're there illegally, then you have to get up and you have to go out and be participate in the world. So we would get up early and be gone and go down to the hot spot, and get, get coffee, and uh, and wash our hands and use the bathroom and and uh, you know when we wanted to take a shower we'd go all the way to Mountain Home and take a shower at the truck stop there, but we would get out and go to all the antique stores. And make sure they had our phone number and say, we got this van if somebody needs something delivered if somebody needs something delivered you know we can deliver it really cheap just for gas money because we weren't trying to get rich we were just wanting to make connections and uh, somewhere at some point we delivered something to this people in Kenilworth another great picture for me to have I would like to have that picture to tell the story uh, in Kenilworth, we met these people that had bought a home and come up here from Florida, and they were to be it. He was, a, he was an engineer, and he was going to start living up here, vacationing up here, and we were able to deliver something there. And when we delivered something, I made the comment, you know, we, we're not above, you know, we're not professional painters, or we're not professional landscapers, but we'll be glad to do it your way, you know, just at $10 an hour so we were we were God sent to her because we wasn't somebody that was trying to tell her how to do it we would just do it her way you know which might not be the pro's way of doing it and they might want to argue with her about how to do it but we were able to do things for her and, and move things around the house and rearrange and all that so anytime we didn't have work or wasn't delivering we could come there and pick up enough work to survive and have money to eat on which was great and then uh you know then of course you know during that same time I was able to meet Cleet and he was able to move in move into the trailer and you know we were able to to do a lot of work on the trailer and travel the country and you know work for Thomas Moser and still delivering antiques and uh, you know that that went on for a long time and and at some point we we quit smoking his mom was going to one of these seminars about smoking and weight loss and he and I both were smoking way too much and we went to that seminar just because she asked us to go and to try it well we both quit smoking and during during that time of of not smoking it wasn't long at all we was able to save ten thousand dollars and after you once have ten thousand dollars saved you know, life's a lot different when you have $10,000 saved and we had a safety deposit box with $10,000 saved. Life changes after that. You, you, uh, there's not a whole lot can slow you down when you have $10,000 saved. If you if you have a your starter stops or you're, you need a set of tires or you need this or you need that, then you just, you, you keep going. You fix it and you keep going, you know? so So after having that $10,000 saved, it made life a whole lot easier. Well, the guy that we were renting the trailer, and it's amazing how beautiful the yard was, and we had a beautiful porch, and the trailer was awesome. You know, we would still be living there, happy, 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 living in that little $1,500 trailer, and we would be on cloud nine. But but they wanted to build a Sonic Sonic there in Fairview, and they, the landlord we were renting from came and told us that we were gonna to have to move the trailer up the hill to another spot, and uh, we said, "Are you know? Are you going to help us pay to have it moved?" Oh no, no! You'll have to hire somebody to have it moved yourself. Well, you know why would we move our trailer up on the hill? You know if we're going to pay to have it moved, let's move it somewhere where there's more land or whatever. So we we got on Craigslist and we were able to find a, this cool. We were looking for a, a trailer spot. You know, I'm sure it's what we looked up you know trailer trailer spot or and it stumbled on this house that had a trailer a spot with a trailer for rent in it you know that you could a trailer an extra space where you could park a trailer you know and and then it came with the house you know and we had the ten thousand dollars saved and that's back when they was giving everybody a loan you know, you had to use stated incomes. You could go into Bank of America and say, i make a million dollars a day, and they would give you a loan based on that. You know, and us being self-employed and having $10,000 saved, it was easy for us to get the house in in uh, Hendersonville, North Carolina. And, of course, I'll make sure that, that I have that video, you know, or the pictures. I already have that video for sure. But the... Uh, you know, was able to get that house, and that you know definitely made made life life fun. And we went to Dollywood several times, or all the time, and had all these had all these employees, and had uh, had a uh, we bought a bunch of old used U-Haul trucks, and was able to have several different crews rolling, you know, with the company, and and you know, at some point, I had played on that on that name when i'd run that ad at some point i went with that name truck and two guys truck and two guys was the name of my company at the time and uh looks like this recording is going to stop but uh you know it two men in a truck ended up suing me and making me change my name and uh you know now we're Asheville moving company or local guys moving had to play on the local name and i don't know that uh you know, I may try to finish the story, but it it's kind of like where I'm at now. And and again this this is gonna end shortly and I appreciate you listening if you've listened to all of it. I'm grateful. And it's still going for some reason. But the uh I'll try to do another one, you know, and it'll start from after two men in a truck sued me and made me change my name, they ended up with a uh they ended up suing me to make me change my name, and and the judge uh, granted them all my phone numbers and changed the name to Local Guys Moving. And uh, when that was a great could not ask for a better advantage, and I had several phone numbers where I had put phone numbers and and all the uh, and all the phone books for six dollars. So I could have a phone number in Bovard, a phone number in Hickory, a phone number in Morganton have phone numbers all over the place for just six dollars you know and the calls got forwarded to my cell phone you know and all for just six dollars a month which was awesome and uh was able to uh i guess all i'm doing is really watching the clock waiting for it to stop so i'm just splurring my words but they changed the name two men in a truck sued us and made me change my name and and they sued us for court calls. So, you know, at some point we had become Cleat Incorporated, you know, so they ended up just suing the Cleat Incorporated and, and making us change our name. And they transferred all the phone numbers and they ended up uh, not, not putting in a new password. So for a whole year, I was able to call my voicemail and check my password and they were having to pay the phone bill on, on all those phone numbers and I was able to check my voicemail on a regular basis. And it, oh, I see now it's 60 minutes, so I still have a few minutes. Again, I am grateful that you listened to this. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, I cannot believe that someone would have listened to all this, but if you have any questions, any way I can help you succeed at your business, don't hesitate to call me. You know, I'm, I fall in the category of being over-helpful but definitely grateful and have lots of life experiences. And it has not been the normal way. Definitely quit when I was 16. Definitely have experienced a lot of loss. And life is always a struggle. And I'm learning every day. Uh, Gary V has uh, put me on a path of learning more, I'm trying to learn more every day. Every day I can possibly learn more and more. I'm trying to learn more but uh, thanks for listening.